0: For the News and Observer, I'm Danielle Battaglia, your host for this week's episode of Under the Dome. I am going to tell you the top three things you need to know about for the week of July 19th, and I'm joined by Will Doran today. Hey Will, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
0: I feel like it's been a hot minute since we've been on Under the Dome together.
1: Yeah, we do a lot of them separately, but uh, it's always good to team up.
0: Yeah. Love it. (laughs) Um, So there's been a lot going on in the General Assembly, but at the same time, not a lot going on. But I thought it would be good to talk to you about uh, this pending bill on medical marijuana. I believe it's called the North Carolina Compassion Act.
1: Is that correct? The the Compassionate Care Act.
0: Compassionate Care Act. There we go. (laughs) What can you tell me about that? That's coming up on Wednesday in one of the chambers. (laughs)
1: Yes. uh, So this is uh, the the Senate bill that would uh, legalize medical marijuana here in North Carolina. And uh, the big deal about it is that it it is backed by not just Republican senators, but a couple of the very most powerful Republican senators. The main sponsor is Bill Rabin, who's the powerful uh, Rules Committee chairman and uh, one of the co-sponsors. Uh, is the Senate Majority Leader, so you know basically the number two and three in the Senate, um, and you know obviously the the number ones in each chamber you know the Senate President, the House Speaker. They they rarely you know personally sponsor bills, um, but the fact that it's you know essentially has the number two and you know probably number three on board shows that you know has some pretty s- serious muscle behind it, and it's been moving forward slowly but surely. Actually, not even slowly, pretty quickly. Um, in the Senate so far. It's passed one committee. It's now onto its second committee. Uh, that committee was actually supposed to meet last week. It got postponed to this week. Um, but on Monday, there'll be another hearing about that. And the, the past few uh, meetings that they've had about this, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, veterans coming in and telling just really just heart-wrenching, honestly, um, stories about their struggles with PTSD. Um, friends of theirs who have Killed themselves. Times when they themselves contemplated suicide. I mean, it's been just really tough to to watch. Um, but you know, also just really impressive for them to you know kind of muster the courage to come and tell their stories. Um, and that has clearly been, uh, you know, really the the push that supporters of this uh, think is going to resonate with lawmakers. Um, you know, you haven't really heard as much from farmers who are coming in and saying, yeah, like, I think I can make a ton of money growing weed. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that's not really the, uh, the line that backers of this want to take, um, even though that is true. Um, you know, it, it's more about, you know, the, the people that this is going to help. Uh, and, you know, uh, Bill Rabin has said, you know, the reason why he backs it is because he is a cancer survivor. Um, and he knows how awful chemo is. And, uh, you know, there's, a lot of literature and research out there that shows that, you know, uh, marijuana can really help for pain reduction and for nausea, which are obviously two big things for cancer. So, uh, you know, this the bill it, it would have a pretty limited list of medical thing, medical ailments that it could uh, be used for, be prescribed for. Uh, much stricter than just about any other state, um, and they said that that's on purpose. They want the bill basically to be the strictest. Of any state, and that's you know looking at the advertising and the list of medical ailments and anything in between that you could think of. Uh, so that'll be coming up on Wednesday, um, and you know we'll we'll expect to, to hear a lot of stories from folks again. And I'm not sure if we'll see any changes to the bill. Uh, so far, it's been passing through you know without any without any big amendments or anything like that. Um, but it's been a few weeks since the last meeting, so maybe some people have come up with some amendments, some tweaks. And the time since then, we'll just wait and see. And you know check the News & Observer on Wednesday uh, to see the latest <laughs> updates. I'll definitely be writing about that.
0: Did you think you'd see something like that in North Carolina, medical marijuana? Because, I mean, we have a Republican majority who doesn't always support marijuana use. Um, so this, I feel like this kind of caught some people by surprise that this was something that is being pushed through.
1: Yeah, no, I'll, uh, I'll definitely uh, own up. And I think in maybe November or December, I even wrote a story with a headline of like, why medical marijuana won't pass in North Carolina anytime soon. Uh, (laughs) um, But basically the gist was, I wrote it right after the election, uh, 2020 elections. And you saw several other conservative states like South Dakota, Mississippi. um, I think there was maybe one or two other like pretty deep red states pass medical marijuana, but it was by ballot initiative. And those are banned in North Carolina. You know, most, most states in the country, like, just regular citizens can put together a petition to get something on the ballot, to get voted on, to basically do an end around of the legislature. So if something, you know, is getting blocked by state lawmakers but is very popular, as you know, medical marijuana has shown to be both in North Carolina and in other states, they can get it on the ballot even if politicians are trying to stop it. But that doesn't exist in North Carolina. We don't allow that. So I basically wrote a story about that, like, you know. Essentially, every other southern state that's ever done medical marijuana has done it through this thing that doesn't exist in North Carolina. Um, but you know, I, uh, <laughs> I I ate crow a few months later uh, <laughs> when, uh, when Senator Rabin introduced this bill. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it was a shock to a lot of people. Um, but it's it's moving forward now, um, and actually, we just saw Alabama in I think it was in May just did the same thing. They didn't have a ballot initiative, but the the Republican legislature passed a medical marijuana bill in Alabama, the Republican governor of Alabama signed it into law. Uh, so I think, you know, this is kind of a, a, a title change that we're seeing here. And you know what, it, it's gone from, you know, being something that like you could almost never imagine happening to something that actually seems like has a pretty decent shot, um, at least to passing in the Senate. I can't imagine that they would allow it all of these committee hearings in the Senate if they didn't already know that the votes were there to pass it. Um, you know, the House is a different question. Uh, House members have been very quiet on what they think of this. I mean, obviously, the Democrats are in favor of it, um, or at least most of them are. But the the Republicans, and especially the Republican leadership, has has been a little hesitant to, to talk about uh, the Senate bill, um, just because, you know, they obviously know that it could change before passing the Senate, or maybe, you know, they think it won't pass the Senate, and then, you know, there won't be any reason for them to have gone on the record one way or the other. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, some tight lips, but also, you know, bills move forward fast, so.
0: Yeah, and uh, I know lawmakers have been traveling, they've taken some vacations, they're at conferences. So our calendar for next week's a little light, but I know there were changes to Senate Bill 300 this week and feel like that should be on people's radar. You covered that. Can you tell me a little bit about what's going on there?
1: Yes. So uh, Senate Bill 300 is a just very wide ranging criminal justice reform bill. Uh, It's sponsored by uh, Senator Danny Britt. He's a Republican from Lumberton. Um, He's a criminal defense attorney. I think he might be the only criminal defense attorney on the the Republican side, at least in the Senate. Um, There there might be one in the House. uh, Please, uh, listeners, if you're out there and uh, (laughs) know if I'm wrong about this, let me know. Uh, But I I think, you know, he's the the one criminal defense attorney on the GOP side of the Senate and has kind of taken the lead on some criminal justice reform issues. Uh, Both last year, immediately after uh, George Floyd's death, uh, when we passed some things. And then this year with Bill uh, 300, it would do a whole wide range of things. Um, one of the uh, more attention grabbing ones was a thing that they stuck into the bill kind of at the last minute, like it had already gone through several committees. Uh, but then after um, the, the police shooting in Elizabeth City uh, this year, um, they, they stuck in a provision for the body cams, uh, the state's body cam law, obviously, uh, you know, when Andrew Brown was shot, that kind of put a national spotlight on our body cam laws here. Uh, it happened right after the Derek Chauvin verdict came out, which obviously that trial focused entirely on video. Um, and it kind of spotlighted how North Carolina's body cam laws are pretty much shrouded in secrecy. Um, and so they put in a provision that would make it much easier, not necessarily for the public to be able to see body cam footage, but for families of victims, of people who had either been killed or seriously injured by the police, it would have made it much easier for the family to be able to see the footage. And the you know, the hope there, and this was written in conjunction both you know, Britt, who's a white Republican, and uh, Toby Fitch, who's a black Democrat and several other black Democrats too in the Senate all like put their heads together and kind of hash this out, you know, like, Hey, what's something, you know, that both of our sides can agree on. We clearly need to do something. Uh, so they came up with this provision that would make it easier for the families, but not the public to see body cam footage that passed the Senate unanimously unanimously, along with the rest of all of the, the criminal justice reform changes in that bill, which is like 30 something pages long, I think. Um, (laughs)
0: it is then,
1: <laughs> after the Senate passed it. And again, it was unanimous. It just sat going nowhere in the house for two months. Uh, but then it came up last week and they just completely walked back all of the body cam changes and just stripped them out. Um, and then passed pass the bill, um, you know, with basically just walking back all of the changes that they had made. Um, so you saw a lot of, uh, civil liberties and Black Lives Matter groups. Pretty angry about that, um, but it was defended by law enforcement who often, you know, doesn't feel that, you know, these these videos need to get out. They feel like mm-hmm. they can be misconstrued. You heard some Democrats contradict that, say, no, you know, I mean, if, you know, cops are acting appropriately, shouldn't they want it to be easier for people to see, you know, the body cam footage so that they can be exonerated? Um, but you know, it's it's just kind of one of those partisan issues where the two sides talk past each other and don't yeah. really necessarily hear what the other side is saying. Uh, so you know, this this big you know headline grabbing push that the Senate had made immediately after the Andrew Brown shooting, you know, basically gone now that it's been in the House. Um, however, the rest of that bill is still moving forward. Tons and tons of criminal justice reforms in there, largely aimed at. Different ways of cracking down on bad cops. Um, you know, make it easier for police chiefs and sheriffs to figure out if someone that they're potentially hiring has been disciplined by another department. Right now, it's very easy for police officers to basically keep it a secret if they've gotten in trouble somewhere else, whether that's even somewhere here in North Carolina or if it's in another state. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to cover that up right now. And this bill would peel back several different ways. Uh, that, that officers can currently basically hide their disciplinary records in the past. Um, it would also uh, enact uh, mental health screenings for potential police hires. It would do things um, like enact a statewide uh, duty to intervene, which was something that got talked about a lot after George Floyd, uh, you know, say that you know if officers see a fellow cop abusing somebody, violating someone's criminal rights, they have a legal duty to step in and stop them instead of just kind of standing on the sidelines and letting them continue. Um, so some big changes in there. Some of, and it's kind of gotten changed up in the House a little bit, but some of the things have already passed the House. Some of the things have already passed the Senate. So it seems that uh, both Republicans and Democrats agree on a lot of this stuff. And uh, I, I would expect to, to see it moving forward uh, pretty quickly, um, since both chambers have already passed at least parts of it. Um, they just have to kind of pass each other's <laughs> parts of it.
0: <laughs> it's interesting to watch just being a crime and courts reporter because I feel like everything that's in there has somewhere like touched a story that I've worked on and so it's what I've been following closely. There's some changes with the riot rioting too, right, in that bill?
1: Yes, yes, thank you for reminding me of that. There's so much <laughs> in the bill. It's easy to forget parts it is, of it. So it is huge so there there had been a piece of it too when it first passed the senate um that would have that had like increased penalties essentially for protesters who then caused a riot you know for you know like when you see you know the, the footage of you know the cvs up in flames or whatever during a protest you know people who had started a, as a protest but then it turned into looting turned into rioting it would have increased criminal penalties for that um but that, that all got stripped out too. Um, now, the, the scuttlebutt over there is that it's going to get added into a different bill and that you know, they could still pass it separately. And uh, you know, obviously that is supported by Republicans on both sides. Uh, Democrats are a bit more skeptical of it, although I think some Democrats did vote for it originally. Um, but uh, that got stripped out of the, the criminal justice reform bill, you know, kind of make that just more keenly focused just on criminal justice reforms. The tactics of that will be interesting to watch. Uh, you know, the the assumption was that originally that got put into the criminal justice reform bill to convince some Republican senators who might have been a little bit skeptical of just doing, you know, the reforms without some of the anti-rioting language, uh, you know, to kind of win over their votes on it. So it'll be interesting to see when it goes back over to the Senate, uh, you know, if if they'll still approve of it or not. Uh, but, yeah, just, you know, a little little inside baseball uh, for those of us over there
0: uh, more yeah. you know wonky nerdy side that we love <laughs> um, and then let's talk about the budget what's going on with the budget
1: well that that is the big question and that is the question that I think all of us are peppering lawmakers with and annoying them with uh, <laughs> the past few yeah. weeks and Frankly, it'll probably keep going for the next couple of weeks because we don't really expect to see the budget come out next week. Uh, You know, the Senate passed their version already, then it went to the House, and then the House has just been kind of uh, working on theirs, you know, behind the scenes. And, yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah, that that is the big question. What's going on with the budget? Um, I feel like...
0: If I remember right, Speaker Moore told me a while ago that he didn't expect to see their budget out till first week of August or mid-August. So I think we're still a couple weeks away, but I know you've heard some other things too, or actually similar things, but.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, the fiscal year did technically begin over two weeks ago, close to three weeks ago now on July 1st. Uh, But yeah, you're correct. We're probably not going to actually see the budget until August. Um, and it's probably going to be different from what the Senate passed. So then it will have to, you know, go to conference and both sides have to agree on it. So, you know, we might not have a new budget till September. Um, and then, you know, obviously it'll be a question of, you know, will the governor sign it or veto it? And if he does veto it, you know, then do, uh, you know, the legislators pass like mini budgets like they did in the past? Do they try to rewrite big budget to address some of his concerns for, you know, and, you know, try to come to a place where uh, he can agree with, or do they try to head that all off in the past, you know, beforehand and, you know, send, send the governor uh, a budget that, you know, he'll actually sign into law and that, you know, Democrats in the legislature can, can get on board with as well. So yeah, a lot of, you know, gamesmanship there. Uh, but I, I am getting the impression and, you know, our colleague Don Vaughn has written this several times that yeah. there does seem to be more agreement more cooperation between the governor and the legislative leaders than there was in the last two years and you know I both sides saw the results of the 2020 election Republicans you know kept winning at the legislature and Cooper kept winning with the governor's race so you know there's I think maybe uh, some some grudging uh, acceptance there that yeah okay. <laughs> You know, the other side actually did win, and I guess I'm going to have to deal with them.
0: (laughs) I was at a press conference. I believe it was Governor Cooper, but it may have been Speaker Moore or uh, Senator Berger. But one of them said, We tried to get rid of each other in the election, but we're kind of stuck with each other, so we might as well work together. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So, as our lead redistricting, uh, reporter, do you think we'll see the budget done before we redistrict or?
1: <laughs> yes, I, I think that is definitely something that they want to do. Um, and, you know, th- there had been talk of having, you know, basically ending this session, taking a little bit of a break and then calling a, you know, a second special session for redistricting later in the fall. But, you know, at the rate the budget's going forward, that might not even be possible. Uh, they might just, you know, kind of run into it and just have to go straight from the budget into redistricting. Uh, but I, I don't think, at least I hope not, uh, that the budget will get so bogged down that they actually have to take a break from the budget to deal with redistricting. Um, but, you know, redistricting is going to be very time sensitive once they actually get to it because, you know, the, the primaries, <laughs> you know, they, they could be in March of 2022. I mean, I guess they could be pushed back, but, uh, you know, they need to figure something out uh, <laughs> yeah. pretty quickly uh, to, you know, let politicians know where the lines are and where are you running for, and you know that could determine for some people like which offices they try to seek. Um, so uh, it, it's going to be pretty time sensitive when they get to redistricting. So I think everybody in the building and a whole lot of people outside the building too are are really hoping that they are not trying to do the budget and redistricting at the same time, <laughs> but
0: it's stressful. The
1: you know, uh, best laid plans. Right.
0: <laughs> so is there anything else you can think of going on next week that you think our listeners need to know about or coming up? Well, no, like-
1: I mean, you know, the, the big thing publicly, I think is going to be the, the marijuana hearings that are going to keep going on. Uh, Big thing for the power players behind the scenes is the budget. Um, but, you know, obviously us reporters are not invited into those closed door talks. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get the, uh, the budget document uh, when it comes out or, you know, maybe if we have a, a friendly leaker in the building a little bit before it comes out. But uh, That
0: would be great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we're, uh, we're not going to be, you know, involved in those close to door discussions about what should or shouldn't be in the budget. So
0: <laughs> I did see last night, I don't know if you saw it. Um, and I slacked it to you all, but, uh, John Hardister had sort of leaked out some numbers on his, um, on his Instagram, uh, stories last night, but you couldn't tell what they went to, or even if they were the Senate's and not the house's numbers. <laughs>
1: Just teasing us.
0: Teasing us, yeah, hanging that carrot.
1: <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean that's that's about all that I'm looking forward to next week. What about you? I what mean, what people be looking for?
0: Those are the things I know about too. The um, calendar is so short right now. I'm waiting for that to start stacking up on us since we're recording this on Friday. Although I think I heard that lawmakers have something else going on again next week. So we could be looking at a sort of light week. I feel like light week is relative at this point, but, um, cause just cause it's light doesn't mean there's not news, but, uh, I appreciate you coming, coming in and talking to us about all this.
1: Yes. Uh, you know, so some people over there in the building, I think are still a little bit in vacation mode, of. Uh, since the fourth. uh, But I I do think things are going to start uh, cranking back up a little bit. So whether that's this week or next week, uh, we'll see. But yeah, definitely, you know, would probably expect some movement on the budget by at least early August.
0: Well, I think that's all we have for you this week. For the News and Observer, I'm Danielle Bataglia here with Will Doran. Thanks for listening. For more from our politics team, subscribe to The News and Observer at newsobserver.com subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider. And sign up for our weekly political newsletter at newsobserver.com newsletters. Thanks for listening.